and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And happy Monday. Welcome to The Blaze, live and on demand, radio, TV, and podcast. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. We are going to open up the phone lines in the next hour of the show at 888-900-3393. That's 888-900-3393. Give you a chance to win a copy of my new book, which hits shelves tomorrow. Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies, Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise. We're going to play a little game called Truth Bomb Trivia. Looking forward to that next hour of the program. You can also let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. For those of you listening on the podcast or the radio, the last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Our good friend Bob Vanderplatz and the family leader will join us here at the bottom of the hour. We're going to talk the latest in shutdown politics. I, I think there's a... There's a part of this analysis that is largely being ignored, mainly because it's just not convenient for most of the punditry to acknowledge it, or it could be that my observation is just wrong. We'll talk about that coming up at the bottom of the hour as well. We'll get to Aaron's montage in a moment. want to thank Home Title Lock for presenting Aaron's montage today. If, if you're reading about massive data breaches like what happened recently to the Starwood Hotels and the Marriott Corporation, and you're thinking, oh boy, uh, that's my credit card number, that's my name, first name, middle initial, uh, you know, those are, those are the last four digits of my social security number. You know, the kinds of things we put out there in order to verify our identity, and now you're thinking, you know what, um, that's out there now. That was breached as part of that data breach at this major corporation. Hey, don't worry about the biggest assets you have. That's the equity in your home, even though it's more vulnerable than ever because those home title deeds are online and can be pilfered uh, and pilloried by would-be thieves, but not if you have home title lock for just pennies a day. They'll put a virtual barrier around your most valuable investment, the equity in your own home. Home title fraud is exploding, but you can have the protection you get only from home title lock. And right now, if you want to find out, hey, is, has, has my home's title been targeted? Is it vulnerable? Home Title Lock right now is giving a free title scan and report to our viewers and listeners here at The Blaze. That's a $100 value for you for nothing. Visit HomeTitleLock.com to take advantage. That's HomeTitleLock.com. What happened while we were away brought to you by Banana Republic. The New York Times reported this weekend that the FBI opened an investigation into President Donald Trump in the days after he fired then-FBI Director James Comey. The story says, quote, Law enforcement officials became so concerned by the president's behavior that they began investigating whether he had been working on behalf of Russia against American interests, according to a former law enforcement official and others familiar with the investigation. If the FBI can open an investigation with that flimsy of a motive or prima facie evidence on the president of the United States, they can probably do it to you as well. President Trump went on 
Judge Janine to defend himself. Are you now or have you ever worked for Russia, Mr. President? I think it's the most insulting thing I've ever been asked. I think it's the most insulting article I've ever had written. Uh, and if you read the article, you'd see that they found absolutely nothing. And here, of course, was MSNBC's reaction. Now, he didn't say there is nothing. Nope. He said they found nothing as if there were something to find. And yeah. it's very interesting. The Associated Press reporting this morning that White House aides are beyond themselves. But as Free Beacon editor Bill Gertz points out, no mention in story who launched probe. McCabe fired and under grand jury investigation, nor mention of counterintelligence official leading it. Peter Strzok corrupt and politically motivated agent who advocated using FBI to unseat Trump. Huge omissions. Moving on, President Trump visited the border late last week near McAllen, Texas. He was briefed by Border Patrol officials who talked about the ongoing situation with the incoming hordes of illegal aliens. John Jones, Chief of the Intelligence Counterterrorism Division with the Texas Department of Public Safety. Great reputation, John. We've been there for about, I've been in that position for 10 years. And as you well know, with Texas, we've been dealing with this crisis for a very long time. Some of the things we see and a lot of discussion you hear is about unaccompanied children, but the thing that bothers me is some of the children in Texas. In the last seven years, we have over 4,000 people incarcerated that are illegal aliens in Texas jails for sexual assault. The sad thing is 62% of them are sexual assault against children. And those are Texas children. Those are American children. Those are our children. And for anybody to put a price on any child's life, that's our most precious and cherished national treasure. And we should do everything and anything as public safety servants, as parents, and as leadership to protect those children. And closing up that border to the bad people would be a great thing. While he was at the border, Jim Acosta accidentally gave the greatest sales pitch ever for a border wall. And here are some of the steel slats that the president's been talking about uh, right here. Uh, as you can see, yes, you can see through these slats to the uh, other side of the U.S.-Mexico border. Uh, but as we're walking along here, we're not seeing any kind of uh, imminent danger. There are no migrants trying to uh, rush toward this fence uh, here in the McAllen, Texas area. As a matter of fact, there are some other businesses uh, behind me along this highway. There's a gas station, Burger King, and so on. Uh, but no sign of the national emergency that the president has been talking about. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's pretty tranquil down here. Greatest self-own ever. As a part of their reporting and journalism, CNN reached out to KUSI-TV in San Diego to see if they had anybody who could discuss the border wall built in their neck of the woods. As a sign of the times in this debate on the shutdown, CNN asked if KUSI would provide a reporter to offer our local view of the debate, especially to learn if the wall works in San Diego. KUSI offered our own Dan Plant, who's reported many times that the wall is not an issue here. In fact, most officials believe it is effective. 
The issue we face is the migrants and the debate over their treatment. Now, knowing this, CNN declined to have us on their programs, which often present the wall as not required in other places, like the stretch of the Texas border the president visited earlier today. They didn't like what they heard from us. It's just some background for you. In other news and on the topic of crazy people, John Cooper is the head of the Democrat coalition, one of the largest grassroots leftist political action committees. He said this over the weekend, a Republican just told me he doubts Lindsey Graham is kowtowing to Trump and indirectly Putin because he's being blackmailed over his sexual orientation, an open secret, or even financial corruption. Rather, he thinks it probably involves some pretty serious sexual kink. Tulsi Gabbard continues to get pilloried by her own base of support after announcing her intentions to run for president for the Democrats in 2020 on Friday. CNN reported that she once worked for her father's organization, which offered help for those looking to leave the homosexual lifestyle and mobilized in Hawaii on behalf of marriage. Remove the supports! And that's what happened while we were away in two minutes or less. You know, Tulsi Gabbard's a very uh, problematic member of Congress, um, uh, noted uh, anti-Israel. I I don't know what else to describe her as an activist, maybe zealot, friend of Assad, friend of Iran. She's been caught peddling pro-Islamist propaganda in the past. That's not why the Democrat uh, base, that's not why the leftists are upset. In fact, most of you probably don't even know this. I just probably told most of you watching and listening to this show, I probably just told you that information about Tulsi Gabbard for the first time. And that's one of the themes in my new book, Truth Bombs, is there isn't a liberal political party anymore. Uh, It's a leftist political party. Um, And so those views of of Tulsi Gabbard's anti-Israel views, anti-Semitic views, pro-Iran, pro-Assad views are actually, they're quite at home amongst leftists. They're not offended at that stuff at all. That, that's the kind of stuff that probably ought to disqualify her from being a national candidate to office, but that's not what it is. Uh, it's the idea that, uh, uh, you know, men are men and women are women and that you shouldn't uh, force the Knights of Columbus isn't a terrorist organ, isn't a domestic terrorist organization. That's, uh, that's what the leftist base, that's why they want uh, Tulsi Gabbard excommunicated. Not because she's cuddly, not because uh, she, she's warm fuzzy with Islamic jihadists. No, no, it's because she doesn't view the Knights of Columbus as a domestic terrorist group. That's why, that's why uh, the guillotine must drop. Boy, there is a ton to get to uh, in, this, uh, in this montage. Um. Let's just deal with this one right now so I can spend the bulk of the time on the other two things I want to talk about. If, if a conservative activist organization tweeted that stuff out about Lindsey Graham, how long before they would be an artist formally known as a conservative activist organization? How many members of Republican leadership would be all over cable news and, and network news that almost nobody who would ever vote for them ever watches? Virtue singling, signaling that these people must go. And this just simply cannot be tolerated uh, amongst uh, the ranks and whatever someone's personal sexual preference or identity is with other consenting adults is, is, is nobody's business but their own, right? Would this be, how many interviews would Kevin McCarthy have done this weekend to say there's just no place for this in the Republican Party? How many do you think? 
All of them. All of them. In fact, he'd have, he'd have camped outside Chuck Todd's office demanding that he be put on Meet the Depressed this weekend in order to drop that, right? That's, that's, but again, how many of you, by the way, this John Cooper, just so you know, this isn't the one anonymous QAnon nope. account putting out the Ocasio-Cortez video a week and a half ago. This guy's got a quarter of a million Twitter followers, okay? Quarter of a million. This is not a joke, guys. That's like that's like two gateway pundits is what we're talking about here. All right? And 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 where where are where are where's Van Jones from CNN saying there's just there is no place for this homophobic talk. No place for this bigoted talk and conversation here amongst the the tolerant ranks of the diversified here in the Democratic Party. Have you seen any of that at all? At all? Well, they're busy slitting Tulsi Gabbard's throat right now. Yeah. That's true. They'll get maybe get to John Cooper. Probably never. Yeah, exactly. All right. So that, again, is the double standard. But you know that. Here's the problem, though. The people you're aligned with are perfectly fine with this double standard and use it against us all the time. It's not that there is a double standard. It's that the people you are aligning yourself with are perfectly fine with it and use it against you whenever they can. That's, that's really the issue here. Okay. Now, the other two issues, though, that, that are more substantive, that um, dominate Aaron's montage, the border, the gym. I want to make sure I understand this. He went to a place where there's a steel reinforced fence. That the Democrats are asking for. Yes. And pointed out there doesn't seem to be a crisis here where we built a steel reinforced fence to own the cons. Yeah. Is, is that, what am I missing? Do you know, Todd, Todd, what am I missing here? Do you know? He literally said fences work. I mean, go around any neighborhood, you, any, any business, whenever there's a, a steel fence or a barbed wire fence at any time of the day or night, like a military barracks, for example, how many times do you see people rushing those fences to scale them or climb them or, or risk their bodies upon them? Like, almost never, right? Why is that? Because that's why the fences are there. So, Todd, um, uh, purveyor of all things journalistic that are magical and not at all broken, tell me why. How many teams of editors do you think they have at CNN between... Uh, you know, uh, between when something is filmed on location and when it gets on the air, nobody thought that this isn't the narrative we're looking for. Nobody thought we're actually validating the president's premise. We went to a place where there's a steel and uh, steel uh, enforced fence and found no crisis. Isn't that the entire argument the president and his supporters are making? No one thought that. Nope. Why help us understand why they hate Trump. To the point of even just making clowns out of themselves? Yes. Well, then why yes. not go to a place where there's... Why not go to a place... Like, why not do... Because there's another thing he did over the weekend where he went to this he went to this other spot and pointed out and there's no fence and nobody there. But what they never showed you is the camera doesn't pan over to show you that like the water, the, the body of water next to this area is littered with DEA and border agents that are heavily armed. And that's why there's no crisis. Now that's a good scam. Do that, Right. Nobody thought, hey, why are we putting the camera on a steel 
border fence and pointing out that there's no crisis. That's no. that's not the fake narrative we need. A, this is, remember, the Jim Acosta who, what, a couple months ago got in the fight with Donald Trump, got kicked out of the White House, brought back. So they, they know they're sending this guy down there to do this. So, A, you know right there that they're not interested in objectivity. And then you also... Uh, unite this uh, with the clip that came immediately thereafter with the local TV station that was called and their information was not used. Um, they're, they're not interested in saying, do walls work? Is there? A, those are not questions they care about. I understand they, that, but this I, is I, an I, extraordinary I, amount of sloppiness. It's like not sloppiness. Like, like I they can, don't I, care. I, I, who did? Who, tell me who the American is. That's like, tell me who the. Uh, it's not sloppy. And if if you start off with a narrative that you are dead set on pounding that square I get peg that. into the round hole, I, I get all of that. Okay, and and I probably didn't phrase the reasoning for my question to you the way I want it. This isn't about CNN. It's per se, it kind of is, but it's in. It, it's 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 really not. You know, um, as someone that that. It has a platform that he wants to use to reach the next generation of Americans before the before Jesus comes and takes away the lampstand because we can see the light is flickering in the culture, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm trying to figure out. You've heard me. You've heard me say this before. All people are sinful. We believe that. That's one of the founding doctrines of this program. Human nature is not basically good. But you've also heard me say not all people are stupid. So so give me the composite of the person I'm trying to figure out. I, I get the false narrative they want to peddle. I could have done it better than they did. The other clip that he used this weekend is a much better example of what you're talking about, where he went to a place where there was an offense and it looked like a vacation spot and they never panned the camera over, as I've seen other people point out, to show you that the body of water there on the border is guarded and littered with, with heavily armed DEA and border agents, right? He left that part conveniently mm-hmm. out. Now that would be a good, wouldn't that be a good use of propaganda, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, help me to understand what that newsroom is thinking that no one bothered to say guys this is probably not good this is not the propaganda we're looking for to point out that a steel enforced fence doesn't uh isn't home to people rushing the border you see so so tell me why they would even put that on the air who who's the viewer that thinks oh yeah i'm a total numbskull moron you're right i mean steel enforced fence no crisis a steel enforced fence with no crisis means we don't need steel enforced fences that's not how the human mind acts so tell me who they think their audience is with that that's what well, i'm trying well, to figure I mean, out but rem- it, go ahead Todd. but remember they also don't care about their audience. I've told you that before. If they did, they would have made decisions, long-time business decisions, that would have appealed, as you say, broadcasting. They have clearly decided they don't care about uh, that either, and they become narrower and narrower and narrower. So we're talking, this is just, now this is self-parody is what we're talking about. Well, this is, these are people who still fancy themselves as the gatekeepers on the wall. Uh, listen, the, 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 these are. Think of this as it, it's like with the, the 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 phone sex thing, where you think you've got some twenty five year old on the line. This has been parodied, right, Steve? And it's it's somebody smoking menthols. You've made this analogy before. Yeah. These newsrooms, they're and do- he's fifty seven with a five head. 
They're dying. Yeah. They're dying. They still think they're the gatekeepers on the wall, and they're stumbling around uh, drunk and high uh, and sending out guys like Acosta, um, But they, and all they are fueled by is the hatred uh, of the other, the, peop- the, 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 the people that took it all away from them. And Donald Trump is one of them. And there's all kinds of... So this level of idolatry has made them dumb, is what you're saying. Yeah. Because idolatry makes idiots of us all. That, But that's to me, that's the only well, possible explanation well, here, that they we, never bothered to ask, why did we think this was going to work? Well, we agree that CNN and most of the mainstream media are made up of leftists, correct? Right. Is that something that... Um, why would we make the mistake of thinking that leftists would think through even their own propaganda rationally instead of emotionally? And I think that's probably the explanation here, is that they aren't even thinking in terms of how can we do good propaganda. They're right. thinking in terms of uh, the id, what do I feel like? Right now, and how can I uh, share what I feel to the masses? I think that's probably the, the this simplest is this is why I asked this question because if we're going to operate this show in an evangelistic construct, and this is we made the determination. Actually, I made the determination because I'm the one that makes the determinations ultimately around here with advice from people like you guys. But I made the determination a few years ago. I needed to change my focus from more of the old fashioned rallying the silent majority style of conservative show to we are facing a generational demo, uh, you know, demographic apocalypse here. We've got to get we got to become more evangelistic in trying to reach new people. Right. Mm-hmm. We, we, and, and so that's changed the approach of how we've done things the last few years. And so I want to make sure I'm working smart and not hard. Well, I don't mind working hard if we're working smart, but if the choice is working smart or hard, I'm going to choose smart. What I hear you guys telling me, therefore, is this is an irredeemable construct that this is the this is this is there is no argument. They're, they're, that, that, they're, it's just so far gone. This is boots leaving sandals. We're, we're kicking the dust off our feet and it's time to move on because the level of idolatry here is so ab- undeniably embedded that they just can't even check themselves to do good propaganda when they go out there to a steel fence and show America steel fences work. That's what you're telling me, right? And if you yeah. are, I'm okay with that answer. No, that's, I mean, that is... That's what it is. The only argument here is uh, divine intervention. That's that's basically, and that's the that's the same thing we've been saying uh, ever since we went into this evangelistic mode. The same thing uh, we've mentioned every single uh, week on this show, if that, um, or if not more than that, is revival, divine intervention. That's the only thing that's going to save. So us. there's rejectors and unbelievers, right? Rejectors, you just move on. Yeah, there's no commandment thou keeps beating thy head against thy brick wall or steel wall in this case. Um, even 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 the one who died for our sins says, you know, ultimately, if they don't want to listen, just move on, right? So there's rejectors and then there's skeptics or unbelievers. We're saying that if you you are if you're this bad of a liar that you just can't even look at your own reflection and and real you are you are Dorian Gray basically is what we're saying here. You are the living embodiment of the picture of Dorian Gray no matter how run down you look when you look in the mirror you see something great, okay? Then that's then we're rejectors and let's just move on here. And I'm okay yeah. with that answer. Well, I just want to who, know what it is. Who or what has been the press's obsession for 3 years now? Themselves. Well, well but Donald Trump. That you know they can't get they can't get over has that and has the Donald There's Trump the administration <laughs> has Donald Trump administration been like the trains running on time really slickly operator or has it been a little clunky right. at best right so well why on earth th- this is the mirror image of that they, they, they are 
They, they don't think they have to have an A game for somebody that they... That we're just you, talking the crowd outside of Lot's yes. house now. Okay. Yes. All right. Um, the FBI. This story is not getting enough play, in my opinion. I think this story that the New York Times came out with over the weekend, if, if it's true, uh, and especially in light of the information that uh, Aaron cited from Bill Gertz, pointing out who the FBI command structure would have been at that time. So this was kicked in after the firing of James Comey. I want to reiterate that the president is the head of the executive branch. He can essentially fire any department, other department heads under his purview in that federal branch for any reason whatsoever. That's, that's why we've seen since Bill Clinton was president, we have seen whoever the next president is fires all the U.S. attorneys from the old one and puts their, old pe- their own people in there. All right, so when Comey's fired then, the deputy director takes over, and that was who? McCabe, who we know now is, it had, it had committed, as, at the very least, if you want to give McCabe, Andrew McCabe the benef- most benefit of the doubt, then he used his perch as the acting head of the FBI to partisan leak against the current administration and now what a grand jury is going to decide is whether those were criminal leaks or not but it, but the the best defense of mccabe is a complete political hack that's the best defense the, what we're finding out now in, in a grand jury proceeding is whether there he needs a criminal one but the best case scenario is he's just the hackiest hack that ever hacked and then underneath him you have peter strock we know who he is and what he's about and so he's, he'd be the point person on, or one of them anyway, on these sorts of investigations. I think this is a case where we've done so much trolling and counter-trolling of one another in, in mainstream liberal media, conservative media. There's been so much back and forth, gotcha, that um, we're now, this is verification of the serious stuff that, ardent opportunistic defenders of the president were throwing out there before we even knew what the depths of any of this was that is sort of the inverse now of the remember i said about the Mueller investigation the problem it has now is there's been so many fake scoops like abc news essentially costing billions of dollars in the stock market for false reporting on the nature of monofort indictments on friday afternoons there's been so much of that then now when there's a real serious story like the president's fixer attorney right. exactly pleads right. guilty, everybody's just like, yeah, whatever. We got the fake news. No, this is the actual real news now. The problem is that the mainstream media has so overprojected on this for so long that most people are just like, whatever, man. They're all corrupt crooks. I don't care. Right? Yes. This is the inverse story of this. This ought to be stop everything we're doing in America right now. Because it's a coup. Yes. If it, well, it's one of two. It is either an attempt at a coup or they found something. Don't, either way, don't we deserve to know? And the yes. fact that they haven't told us what they found means more than likely it was an attempted what? Coup. coup. Now, this is the moment that a lot of opportunists, people with no conservative credentials at all, who have suddenly become household names with mass followings just by fluffing President Trump in his base... We now actually have evidence, prima facie evidence, that at least some of these theories that were used to defend the president against all of these probes and, and scoops and everything else for the last three years. Well, this is it. This is your smoking gun, if you ask me. Well, it's a smoking gun against somebody. And there ought to be, uni- and the fact that 
the mainstream media is not like, uh, why isn't the FBI showed us that they, they busted Trump for being a Russian agent? And instead we're parsing his quotes to Jeanine Pirro. Uh, and the fact that all of conservative media is like, we're doing nothing today, nothing else. The Federal Bureau of Investigation may have attempted to under, undo the votes of 66 million Americans for no valid reason whatsoever. And we're not, we're not moving on to anything else until we find out what this was. The fact most people on either side of this narrative divide are just like, oh, that's funny. And we're just continuing our counter trolls. We're in big trouble, man. No doubt in my view. Huge trouble. This is one of the, to me, this is potentially one of the biggest stories I've seen in my career when I, when I, when I saw this. Because it doesn't leave a gray area. Either Donald Trump is who the resistance fan fiction online tells you he is, or the FBI is what Trump Shield uh, Inc. tells you it is. Tell me where the, tell me where the in between is here because oh. I don't see it. There isn't, and Aaron nailed it. If they're doing this to the sitting president of the United States, what on earth no do you doubt. think they're doing to everybody else? No doubt. So, so we just launch investigations because the president made a personnel decision you don't like, and we took the largest. Law enforcement agency in the United States of America, full of a bunch of unelected bureaucrats, and said, hey, you've got carte blanche to go out there and investigate the president. No accountability whatsoever. Tell me that is the stuff of banana republics. That's, that's the stuff of Oliver Stone films. Where, where's Kevin Costner with his uh, jury summation at the end of JFK? I am I I'm flabbergasted that like not everybody's flabbergasted. And this is the problem when we have narrative versus narrative. When the actual truth begins to emerge and come out. Whether it's Michael Cohen or whether it's the FBI, we now just yawn at it and say, "Well, I I need the next sensationalistic news headline." The the, the actual substance isn't good enough for me anymore. This substance, in my opinion, is real bad, and it's one or the other. And yet, there doesn't seem to be a a, a, a call to find out which one it is. That's problematic. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, live and on demand on The Blaze. We'll talk the latest in shutdown politics here in a moment. But our good friend Bob Vanderplatz from The Family Leader brought to you today by iTarget Pro. And this is where Aaron pretends to do a commercial while humble bragging. Aaron. Yeah, maybe if uh, everybody was a better shot, they'd win a home football uh, playoff game this uh this weekend, you know, just saying, just saying, um, it's a wonder what, uh, you know, practicing target shooting can actually do. But how are you doing on your New Year's resolutions? Everybody makes New Year's resolutions, right? Uh, whether it's losing weight, uh, finding a better job, getting, um, I don't know, getting a, uh, that big raise or whatever you have planned, New Year's resolutions can do a lot to improve your life. But only one New Year's resolution might actually help save it. Resolve this year to take your firearms training to the next level with iTarget Pro. Utilizing your smartphone, their proprietary app tracks a caliber-specific laser, which fits in your firearm and will detect exactly where your shots are landing. 
iTarget Pro is completely safe, comes with your caliber-specific laser target system and instructions so you can begin training immediately. So take the Christmas cash you might have lying around and left over and go to the letter itargetpro.com. Check out the video, choose your caliber, and download the app so you're ready when the system arrives. This month, you can get 10% off plus free shipping with the offer code STEVE when you purchase the iTarget Pro system. Save money, save time, take your skill to the next level safely and effectively. That's the letter itargetpro.com, offer code Steve, itargetpro.com. And if you had a weekend like we did here in the upper Midwest where it was snow and you had to stay inside, I can't think of a better way to get better at uh, your shot this winter than by staying inside using your iTarget Pro system to get better at your shot. itargetpro.com, offer code Steve. All right, back here on The Blaze with our good friend Bob Vanderplatz from The Family Leader. Happy Monday to you, brother. How are you? Happy Monday to you. Doing really well. So we are now, I think it's, is it an official, Todd? This is the longest government shutdown yes. of all time, right? It is, it is official. I don't know how we know that because it's shut down. How do we keep track of such things? Right. So I, I surmised when we came back on the air after the Christmas break, Bob, that last week would kind of be the speed bump when everybody kind of came back from the holidays and the new Congress was sworn in and all the Republicans get together and, and can be all paranoid together. And that if the, if, if we made it through last week and there was no resolution, then at the very least I predicted this was going to go until the state of the union, which would create maybe the next pressure point mm-hmm. for, for it to be resolved. But we've made it through that speed bump. So what's happening here? Who's winning? Who's losing? What advice, if any, would you have for the White House at this point? Well, that's, that's a loaded question. Uh, what advice would I have for the White House? My, my first advice to the White House is that when you had a Republican House and a Republican Senate, why didn't we push this through like crazy back then before the last continuing resolution? And we're seeing some great uh, solutions now coming up, like let's just make continuing resolutions permanent. I mean, there is no more... You know, we never shut down the government ever, ever again. And the friends I'm talking to, and not to dismay those people who aren't getting their paychecks, that type of thing, they're going, I have not missed anything with the government being shut down yet. But what it does show is it shows a very fragmented, divided, and broken Washington in regards to how do you move forward. Both sides are, are digging in their heels. There seems to be no no compromise. If you, if you offer up a compromise, I think as Mick Mulvaney found out this week, it's probably not a good idea either in regards to how do we move, move this thing forward. I think what it is, though, is I think uh, Trump is starting to win on people, Americans saying, yeah, I think we do need a border wall. Matter of fact, when we took a look at uh, comprehensive immigration reform, one of the things people rallied around right away is that we need to know who's in and out of this country. And I think we've had some tragedies along the way, sad, sad to say, but almost supports Trump's deal about we need a border wall. And so I think Trump right now loses if he just gives in and says, you know, we're going to start, we're going to reopen the government and without the border wall. I, I don't see that being a win, but I also don't believe it's a win for conservatives, and I don't believe it's a win for Trump to say declare a national emergency I'm, board the, I'm building the wall anyhow. Let's get to the national emergency thing separately in just sure. a second. Uh, you mentioned, you know, victims of illegal immigration. We played a clip in our montage that aired on, C, on C-SPAN 
last week. Uh, John Jones has essentially been the head Texas border enforcement guy for the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. And he said uh, he told the president uh, live on camera on C-SPAN a couple of days ago that the average of his 10 years uh, as head of Texas's border enforcement, on average over the last 10 years, 4,000 illegal aliens arrested a year for violent sexual crimes. Over 60% of those were violent sexual crimes committed against children. Mm. Your reaction to hearing data like that? Well, I think what it is, it just substantiates. So we've said this for a long time. Matter of fact, uh, the, the Democrats, which is amazing, you see uh, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer going, we're all for border security as well. I'm thinking, well, if you're really for border security. Well, their idea of border security is letting a pregnant teenage girl come here to kill her kids. So right. I, I don't know that they're sure. going to be moved all that much by crimes against children. But And so I think whether it is digging your, your heels, I mean, when you say, you know, what's my reaction to data points like that? I mean, that's uh, inexcusable for a country. I mean, we, we should know who's in and out of this. Uh, Darla and I have gone to Israel a few different times. You see that a wall and border security works in Israel. It would work here as well. Does that mean it needs to be a physical structure from from one side to the other side? It doesn't need to be that. But there are te- technological things. There's a lot of other things we can do to enhance border security. But I think when you talk to a border agent, like Trump did, as you said, uh, and expressed over C-SPAN, what he's saying is that, you know, does it even matter why I'm down here? We have 4,000 people coming in and, and creating violent crimes against our citizens we should be about protecting our citizens. We're going to debate this more in depth on our roundtable later today here on uh, Blaze TV for our subscribers. Uh, for now, I want to get your take on this question. Mm-hmm. See, I, I think there's an angle to the political analysis that is largely going unsaid. And I think because it's probably not convenient for most of the punditry to say it, I think probably a lot of conservative media either hasn't realized it and or is concerned that it sounds heartless if they say it. And it, it and the liberal media won't say it because it certainly doesn't fit the narrative that they prefer of, of you know, uh, victims across the fruited plain of a government shutdown. But when you look at uh, what part of the government is shut down, by and large, the number one group that is affected by this are federal workers. Mm-hmm. AFSCME ain't exactly a Republican voting bloc, brother. So I don't know what external pressure is on the president to cave here at all. Uh, I I mean, th- I how many potential is. Trump voters are, are caught up in the negatives of a partial shutdown? I would, I would imagine looking at demographics, it's scant. And so to me, all the pressure on Trump is internal from his own party or Javanka saying, Daddy, we can't do yeah. business like this. Well, you know the organization we operate here. There has not been one phone call to me yet, not one out of all of our supporters saying, Bob, somehow we have to tell Washington, reopen the government. Not Mm -hmm. one. I mean, there is no pressure point here whatsoever. And when the Democrats come on and say, Trump is choosing his wall over the payment to government workers, I'm like, okay, so national security. So what happens? Trump Trump loses by Virginia by three more points next time? Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I mean, I, I don't understand. I, here's why that matters. What's the political leverage then that the Democrats have? What is it that they, they have? They don't. And that's why even saying, you know, Trump wants national security. We want to pay the federal workers. Well, I think America would say, no, 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 we want national security. We want to make sure that we're secure first. And so, therefore, I don't see what what pressure point they have. I think Trump's okay by saying, you know what, the art of the deal is I told you what I need. I need you to deliver it. If you guys want to reopen the government, this is how we do it. 
Sarah Sanders, I believe, was on the news uh, this this past weekend saying Trump means it. Uh, this could be days. This could be weeks. Could be months. It could be as long as the Democrats want want to play this game. But he's willing to dig this in. And the other reason I think Trump's willing to have this conversations, we're talking about national security, which wins for him like the American flag in the National Football League versus talking about Mueller and Cohen and that investigation where they all want to talk. We're talking about something that he's winning on. So I'm I'm doing some publicity stuff for uh, my new book, Truth Bombs. that comes out tomorrow. Last Congratulations, night, by thank the way. Thank you. Last night I did an interview with uh, one of the big talkers in Cincinnati who – uh, has been tight with Don Jr. in the past. Mm-hmm. And and he was, in, in the course of our conversation, he was telling me some of the conversations that him and Don Jr. had before and after the election. And then he gave me his prediction of how he thought the outcome of this would turn out. And he wanted to know what I thought of his prediction or what I thought what I thought the political fallout would be if his prediction was right. And his prediction was that eventually the president would issue the uh, the emergency executive uh, funding order. It would end up in the courts. It'd be bogged down for a couple of years, wouldn't be resolved between now and the next election, and no wall would ever be built. And, and I told him, if that's the outcome, you need to call your buddy Don Jr. right now and tell him whatever the – see, it's not the outcome that matters. It's the result of the outcome in my mind exactly. that matters. If whatever the outcome is, whatever deal is cut or never cut – if they cut a deal in what, or whatever resolution it is, whether it's a unilateral one by the president or it's an agreement with Democrats, if shortly thereafter we don't see shovels hitting dirt on the southern border, you cannot tell the American people, you can't give a presidential address and say, this is a national emergency, and then say, oh, you know, we'll find out what the Ninth Circuit thinks for the next 24 months. If that happens, if we whatever the whatever the outcome is, if the result is not shortly after said outcome, shovels are in the dirt on the Rio Grande. He is the read my lips president. Without question. And and this guy who's a staunch Trump supporter, friends with Don Jr. said, I agree with you. He's weakened like George H.W. Bush was when he raised taxes. Your thoughts on that? Well, they're totally right. I mean, if, if there's not a deal that this if, – if it's a thing where this is a national emergency, but we're not building the wall, that's a huge issue. And so even for him to say, you know, uh, I'm going to declare a national emergency, but now it's going to go to the courts, so I'm going to tell my base, listen – I mean, I went to the wall for the wall. The courts are stopping me. We still are. If it's a national emergency, you need to be you need to be building that wall. And I think the other thing for conservatives like us saying, you really want to set this precedent where executive action versus trying to do it the right way. We got to be careful when we go down that road. Now, here's as well. the difference, though. Obama's doing executive actions where he's making up laws. Sure. Okay. Trump is Trump is using executive actions to enforce laws. Yeah. So it. it this is this it's it's there in my view there's not a moral equivalency here i agree with the precedent you want set like i saw um i, I saw a friend of mine in the movement uh, say last week that if if trump does this it'll set the precedent for the next democrat to make an executive order to confiscate the guns um that's never going to happen why because the people who have the guns will shoot back so it's <laughs> i mean it, and it's not that's not a moral equivalency you know, and this is because you and I went up against this argument oh, no, when, but, but hold about, on. about your executive order yeah. on the marriage issue. On the issue. marriage issue. Because, because there's a lot of Republicans, and a lot of them work at places like National Review, who will tell you that courts can do whatever they want to us. And then if we do anything at all to push back on what they did, that's that's authoritarian government. Yeah. And we can't, that's not limited government. That's a crock. That's well, not here's the thing, man. I'm going to go back to what your friend says. I think I read the same thing you read is that, first of all, if it's a national emergency, 
Well, if this border agent's right, that 4,000 people are, are crossing and that we're, we're being victim of all this. Then why isn't the Biden, National Guard at the border right now? Why isn't it happening yeah. right now? Yeah. And two is, what I think what he's saying, so there's a Democrat president. And you have another Parkland take place or you have another Sandy Hook take sure. place. I'm issuing a national emergency and we're coming to get the guns. I'm done with this. That's, I think, what he's saying is that— well, that's a declaration. We, 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 we just start what de- is a declaration of civil war? Right. Because that would be the end yeah. game of that. Yeah. The, uh, people aren't, yeah. they're, they're, uh, our buddies aren't just lining up to say, you know what? I really don't want that. They're not going to do that. That That's essentially, we're going to have, a, yeah. we're going to have, we're going to have blood in the streets. Yeah. But our friend, the, the other mo- is trying to prevent blood yeah. in the streets. But our friend, the movement's basically saying they're going to declare a national emergency the same way. But my thing with Trump is if this is a national emergency right now, we should be moving I mean, you're right. Move the military, move the National Guard to the border right now and say it's a national emergency. One thing I know you're really concerned about is uh, the sexualization of our children. Mm-hmm. And and we have a new partner here on our show that I think is right up your alley. Um, Miss Victoria Hurst is your kind of woman. Um, she is single-handedly taking on a media giant. Cosmopolitan magazine. She started this cause, Cosmo Hurts Kids. This is her mission. Um, and her mission is against her own family. Hmm. Uh, she is a descendant of William Randolph Hearst. This is her family's fortune, her family's publishing company. Uh, and, and she's pushing back on one of her family's primary uh, properties, Cosmo Magazine, because of what it's doing to sexualize children. Uh, the fact that it can, cont- I mean, I'm a 45 year old guy. I, I don't, you know, thumb through the pages of Cosmo magazine. Uh, so I have no idea what's in there. Um, but uh, even though I have a teenage daughters, I, our teenage daughters would not be the type that would be looking at it as well, but that's because they're sheltered homeschool kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a lot of other kids that are out there, they are uh, exposed to what, what is really blatant propaganda. Cosmo hurts kids is not trying to censor the magazine or put them out of business. She's asking for a very reasonable goal here. Uh, and that is to have Cosmo state that it has material harmful to minor laws and have that applied, as we have those in a lot of states across the country, have that applied to Cosmo magazine so it cannot be sold to anyone under the age of 18, meaning the universal age of adulthood consent across the country. If you want to learn more, uh, and when we live in a culture where over Christmas, Good Morning America is celebrating uh, 11-year-old drag queens, uh, if you want to learn more about a cause like this, which is greatly needed, visit CosmoHurtsKids.com, H-U-R-T-S, CosmoHurtsKids.com. And Victoria Hurst, who's the head of this campaign, she believes in free speech. Again, she is not trying to censor her family's publication or put it out of business, simply that uh, there needs to be a stand taken against exposing our children to this kind of salacious material. And if you agree, visit CosmoHurtsKids.com. That's CosmoHurtsKids.com. I know that's something that you would be really concerned about is what we're seeing happen, the robbing of the innocence of our kids at a younger and a younger age. Without question, um, having standards that protect the kids, I think we should all be applauding that. Uh, sometimes we do things, uh, and we whether it be this uh, cosmo, cosmopolitan magazine or whatever it is, and then going, you know, well, why are we surprised at what what happens next? And so, therefore, put in standards that actually protect the kids. I applaud her for it. When we come back here next week, uh, next Monday, are we still going to be talking about a shutdown with you? Do you think? I think we will be. Yeah, I I don't I don't see anything that I'd say that we're changing this. I I don't see what incentive Trump has to cave politically. 
unless he, and again, barring, you know, Javanka or Lindsey Graham-Nasty or people in his own party that want to use this as leverage to get something they've long wanted from him in the process. I, I don't know what incentive he has to cave. Almost nobody that would ever vote for Trump is made up, uh, is, is part of any of the groups that are the most affected by this whatsoever. And you agree with me then that no matter how or when this ends, if the next step is short, and when I say shortly thereafter, I mean like hours, mm-hmm. I mean like days. Like if we don't have like a Fox News or Blaze Media crew live at the border for, you know, and, and Trump's like throwing a bottle of champagne to christen the new fence. Uh-huh. Okay, if we're not seeing physical action, then that's a huge loss for him and his presidency. We agree on that. We definitely agree on that. Matter of fact, I think anything short of that, I think you're right where it's the George George H. Bush of read my lips, no new taxes. I told you I was going to build the wall. In many ways, that's what won him the presidency. Um, so therefore, I think people are saying, build the wall. Let's have border security. Bob, good to see you, brother. Thanks good for joining to see us you. today. God bless. All right, so we're one hour down. We got one hour to go. And we're going to have some fun when we come back here, gentlemen, for hour two. All right. So uh, I am so jealous of Pat Gray's moron trivia. You guys know that every time that promo runs, I'm so jealous of that. And I've been trying to think of a way to copy his idea without just not doing it overtly. And I think I have discovered it. Okay. We're going to play a little game called Truth Bomb Trivia. When we come back in hour two, you guys have seen the questions, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So in honor of my new book, which comes out tomorrow, we're going to play a game called Truth Bomb Trivia, 888-900-3393. If you want to play and have a chance, we've got five questions. So five potential winners of a free copy of my new book, which releases tomorrow. It's called Truth Bomb Trivia. We're going to ask you a series of questions in line with what is written about in my new book. And we'll see how many of you are critical thinkers and or have been truly informed about what's been going on in the system for the last few years. You guys ready for this? Probably not, but let's do it. (laughs) 888-900-3393 is the number. We'll get to your calls and more when we come back here, Hour 2, live on The Blaze and on demand. Stay tuned. All right, back here live and on demand on The Blaze. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. We're going to open up the phone lines, play a little game called Truth Bombs Trivia here in just a few moments. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. You know, this time of year, a lot of people have problems with their ears, itchy ears, ear pain, that plugged up feeling. Uh, maybe you work in broadcasting, you work for you know the Blaze Network, and you're in a panic because at the last minute you can't hear the sound uh, from your IFB in your ear. Not saying that happens around here all the time, but kind of. You know, it could be the same problem uh, in all of those cases. Yeah, Todd, not that. Yeah, not to mention any names, but Todd. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm the problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If these problems sound familiar, your name is Todd. 
Uh, you could be like millions of Americans forced to visit the doctor for a professional ear cleaning, but now you can get the same results in the comfort and convenience of your own home with Wax RX. It uses physician developed technology that safely and effectively removes ear wax buildup, then soothes the ear with a pH conditioned formula. And now you can get Wax RX without a prescription. No more expensive trips to the doctor, no more time wasting, uh, wasted using those cotton swabs or other solutions that maybe. Don't solve anything. Try the Wax RX system risk-free today. Just go to usewaxrx.com. That's usewaxrx.com. And use the offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. That's usewaxrx.com. Usewaxrx.com. Offer code radio. All right. We're going to play a little game. This hour of the show is devoted to complete self-promotion, but with a cause, with a purpose. And not just sending my kids to Disney, although that is one of them. I ain't going to lie. This is uh, about my new book coming out tomorrow, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise. Hitting bookshelves tomorrow. You can order your copy at Amazon.com right now. My publisher is adamant. Really push the Amazon thing because that's like the new book you know, list to me, right? So amazon.com, if you have a, if you don't have a preference of where to get, you know, books, my publisher would like you to have the preference of doing it via Amazon. All right. Endorsed by a few people you might've heard of, maybe like a guy like Glenn Beck, Mark Levin, they work with us here at the blaze. How about Matt Walsh over at the daily wire, Eric Erickson at the resurgent and others truth bombs, confronting the lies conservatives believe to our own demise. So we're going to play a little game to start this out called Truth Bombs Trivia. I've got five questions I'm going to ask. If we get in the first five people that have the right answers to these questions, win a free copy of my new book. You guys ready to go? Oh, yeah. yeah. You guys have seen the questions. How confident are you the audience is going to nail these? Don't. Yeah. Yeah, Don't. No? Yeah. Okay. Question number one. And here's the number if you want to play, 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. Who was the last American president to sign a balanced budget into law? Who was the last American president to sign a balanced budget into law? Let's go to Laura in Illinois to lead us off. Laura, do you know the answer to the question? Wilson? No, I think it's hilarious though that <laughs> <laughs> you people think it was that long. That's a hundred years ago, literally. Literally, Woodrow Wilson left the White House literally a hundred years ago. But it does seem like it's been that long since we've had a balanced budget, like in another century. And you know what? It kind of has, but that's not the right answer, Laura. That's a good. You know what though? That is swing an excellent the, guess. Yeah, swinging for the fences. Yes, her cynicism meter is just on <laughs> yes. tilt over Listen, there. Listen, if, if the if the whole audience follows Laura's lead, we're actually going to go through these like a knife through butter because you guys are on the right track. All right, eight 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 nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Truth bomb trivia: the last American president to sign a balanced budget into law. Let's go to Matt in Texas. Matt, do you know the answer? I believe it is uh, President Clinton. That is correct. Bill Clinton, the last American president to sign a balanced budget into law. So stay on hold there. Matt, we'll get your information. You win copy number one. All right, you guys ready? They get tougher as we go along, don't they? I love that picture. Yes. (laughs) That's that's that. I didn't tell anybody to lie. Not a single time. 
I did not have sex. That's what that's that's from the Roosevelt Room press conference. While Hillary with her eyes says, "Yeah, where he did not have sex with that woman." Yes, that well, Hillary's lie. I say that all the time. Uh, let's get to question number two. Which president signed into law the largest amnesty for illegal aliens in American history at the time? Which president signed into law the largest amnesty for illegal aliens in American history at the time over about about four million illegal aliens qualified for instant amnesty as a result of this law? Here's a hint. After you answer all these questions, you're probably in the corner sucking your thumb and moaning uncontrollably. <laughs> here's a hint. Uh, here's hint number two. After you hear the answers to all these questions, liberal doses of rum and coke, rum and or or rum and coke zero. Actually, if you're if you're counting the carbs, uh, yes, uh, because uh, th- this will be depressing. Let's go to the phones. Christina in Florida. Christina, do you know the answer to yes. Truth Bombs trivia question number two? Do I know the answer? It's Barack Obama. No. How I wish. Oh! How I wish it were. But it's not. No. That's oh. that's. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Christina, for the call. Appreciate it. Eight 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 nine hundred thirty three ninety three. If if only that were the answer. Yeah. Not that I'd be happy, but I'd be less unhappy. Right. <laughs> I wouldn't be as unhappy. But no. Which American president signed into law the largest amnesty for illegal aliens in American history at the time? If you know the answer, copy number two uh, of a free copy number two of my new book, Truth Bombs, is coming your way. Did you guys know the answer to this one before you saw the answer? Did you know? Yes. Yes. You knew? Okay. Did you know because you've heard me talk about it in the past? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Did that make it the answer any less depressing for you? No. no. <laughs> Eight at eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Who knows the answer to the question? Which president signed into law the largest amnesty for illegal aliens in American history at the time? Let's go out to Oregon. AJ is there here on the blaze with us now. AJ, do you know the answer? I think I do. I'm going to go George W. Bush. No, he wanted to. Uh, he wanted to, I know. but he. Yeah. That they wanted to with the McCain Kennedy thing. They wanted to make they wanted to actually like double this number, if not triple it. All right. So he wanted to, but he wasn't able to get her done. There was enough conservative resistance at the end of his presidency. Uh, he couldn't make it happen. But you're getting warmer. Folks are getting warmer to the answer. Yeah, that was like a Marco Polo instead yes. of a Marco. Polo. No answer. Yes. Eight 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 nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Do you know? Which president signed the largest amnesty for illegal aliens in American history into law at the time, and it instantly legalized about 4 million illegal aliens? Steve in Florida is next. Steve, do you know the answer to the question? Steve, can you hear us? We'll give Steve one more shot. Are you there, Steve? I can hear you, yeah. It's uh, Ronald okay, Reagan. Steve. You're there right. There you go. It was Ronald Reagan in 1986 that was the largest amnesty in American history at the time. Instantly made about 4 million illegal aliens eligible for U.S. citizenship. And how many of our audience members and thus potential book buyers just stroked out yes. upon hearing that information? And, just- and, and prior to the Reagan amnesty in 1986, nine of the previous 10 presidential elections 
That's a pretty good benchmark because we have one of those every four years, right? So for the, for the previous generation, 9 out of 10, Republicans won California, 9 out of 10. After the Reagan amnesty, they won it only once. That was 88. And then twice the Republican nominee for president didn't even get 40% of the popular vote statewide since the Reagan amnesty. Made all these people citizens. So Steve in Florida, Stan Hold will get your info. That's two copies down, three to go. The questions get increasingly discomforting. I love that word. This this is the trivia version of the horror movie Hereditary from last year. (laughs) You're just creeped out the entire time, right? So you just strapped C4 to Republicans idol and blew it up in broad daylight and it's going to get worse from there it's this yes hello is anybody in hello yes here we go question number three let's see how long it takes to get a winner here how many republican appointed supreme court judges voted to legalize baby baby killing in roe versus wade how many republican appointed supreme court judges voted to legalize baby killing in roe versus wade do you know the answer to this question 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393, the vote was 7-2. to two. How many of those seven voted to say, let's kill us, let's kill all the babies? 888-900-3393, let's go to Ron in our home state of Iowa. Ron, represent, don't let us down, brother. Do you know the answer to the question? I think I'm going to let you down, but I'm going to go three. Yeah. It was actually, John, Ron, it's not your fault. They let you down because the number's higher than that. It, it wasn't just three. No. But thank you for the call, Ron. Do you know the answer? So we know three is out, and I just gave you another hint. It's actually more than three. More than three Republican-appointed judges on the U.S. Supreme Court voted to legalize baby killing via Roe versus Wade. How many is the number? 888-900-3393. Now, the two judges... That wrote the dissenting opinions. One of them you've all, if you're you're my age or older, you've heard of. William Rehnquist is one of the great conservative judges of the modern era, former chief justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. He was a new Nixon appointee on the court. He voted no on Roe v. Wade. The other judge that voted no on Roe v. Wade is the only Supreme Court justice John F. Kennedy appointed. Byron Wizard White, former college football great from Colorado, was the other dissenting judge in Roe v. Wade. So one Republican and one Democrat were the dissenting judges. How many GOP-appointed judges made up the 7-2 majority in favor of Roe v. Wade? Let's go to Shan. I think that's the name, right? Yep. All right, Shan in Indiana. Shan, do you know the answer to this question? <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to guess. I'm going to say 72, so I'm going to say uh, 70. I'm going to say uh, four total. We're getting closer, but that's not the right answer, Shan. No, no, you're still too low. It's not three. It's not four. (sighs) A lot of people are going to need to read this book. And then they're going to need a Silkwood shower when it's done. By the way, I counted. There's like, I think I counted over 150 footnotes in my book. There's like 10 pages of footnotes at the end of the book. Just because I, I didn't think most people would believe most of this stuff unless I could prove it to them. You know how you said when you were writing uh, Lord Nefarious, uh, and I had a front row seat to that, you had, it took a while because you had, you had to put it down because mm-hmm. you got to, that people reading this book 
uh, tooth bombs. Just, I, it might take them a year to get yeah, through. Yeah, I wrote this one. Can, I wrote this one in about two weeks. Yeah, but they might take a year because they're going <laughs> to yes. have to keep putting it down. Like, is it safe? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, let's go to Rick in Georgia. Rick, how many Republican appointed judges made up the seven to two majority in Roe v. Wade? Do you know? No, no, they just dropped. Yeah. Oh, Dave in Georgia. Okay. Dave in Georgia. Are you there, Dave? I am here. How many and judges I'm, do you think it was, Dave? Four. Four's already been guessed. Oh, Why don't you try oh, five, five, Dave? I'm feeling I'm feeling charitable. Did you say five, Dave? Five, yes. Five. You got it right, Dave. Yes. A majority of the judges Sad. that made up the majority that legalized baby killing via Roe versus Wade were GOP appointed judges, five of them. Five of the seven appointed by Republicans, Todd. That's why they call it the grand old party, baby. Yes. It's God's own party, brother, because there's going to be a wall around heaven. Robert oh. Jeffers told me. God's own party. <laughs> All right. So, Dave, you stand hold. That's winner number three. We got two more copies of the book to get away, and the questions, and we, and the questions get more painful from here. Number four. Knowing you, I know you like this one. Knowing you, I know this is Todd's favorite right here. I know it is. The attorney who successfully argued before the U.S. Supreme Court to overturn 6,000 years of precedent on the definition of marriage was the former Solicitor General of which president? Meaning the Solicitor General is the attorney for the administration. Okay? Let me repeat that. The attorney who successfully argued before the U.S. Supreme Court to overturn 6,000 years of precedent on the definition of marriage was the former Solicitor General of which president? Do you know the answer? 888-900-3393. 888-900-3393. This was your favorite one, wasn't it? It hurts. Favorite as in, as in the one that, that, that stung you the most, yes. right? Cut me deep, Shrek. Cut me deep. Let's go to Mark in Indiana. Mark, do you know the answer, Mark? I would say uh, George Bush. Which one? The second one. You're correct. Mark in Indiana is winner number four, Theodore Olson. Ted Olson, the former Solicitor General for President George W. Bush, was the attorney who successfully argued before the U.S. Supreme Court to overturn the definition of marriage. And beyond the irony of this being the Republican Solicitor General, beyond the irony of George W. Bush was allegedly America's first evangelical president, George W. Bush only won re-election in 2004 because, because of the marriage amendment on the ballot in Ohio. Correct. That was the deciding state that mass drove up evangelical and Catholic turnout. And when you went back to the 2004 exit polls after the economy, the number one issue people voted on was what? Moral values. And then the solicitor general of the, of the, of the president that only got reelected because of the marriage issue turned right around and sued to undo marriage. And it's my favorite because it, it, it really takes me back in the way back machine uh, to think about those data, that data, those statistics, and now even more immediately than uh, uh, Theodore Olson, you you talked about her in the last couple of weeks, um, uh, Nicole Wallace. Mm-hmm. Just to know that his uh, my w- book, my my literary agent, my book agent uh, at Premier Authors served with her 
in the Bush administration. Yeah, and I was just watching her within the last couple of weeks. Uh, it was over um, our break, and I, I never watch cable news uh, anymore, but I, I, I did trip through it, and, and that woman's insane. And, and to know that she was part of this administration while winning elections like that, um, it, 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 th- those victories, it just goes to show you how, 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 how pyrrhic they ultimately were. Guys, if, that, if you're saying this now 10 years later about that administration, what are we going to be saying in 10 years about this one? Maybe it'll surprise us. This one's actually been more conservative already yeah, than, the last, than that true. one was. That's true. How you like them apples? Well, that's yeah. a truth bomb. And that's <laughs> and, coming from the guy. They didn't vote for well, this guy. And again, my point, as, as much lying as goes on in this administration currently, it still might be more honest than that I one. I would agree. I would, I would agree with that. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, my, my, I mentioned my literary agent, Frank, if you're watching, hello. He was my first test case about this is a book idea. Because some of the people that are going to get mentioned in this book, he's either served with or maybe even represented since he's left you know, public life for uh, working at Premier Authors and Speaker Bureau. And so I wanted to see, because here's the thing, there's a line where you can cross where you drop so many bombs, you have laid waste, and, and, there's, and you've Chernobyled a place. You've, you have you know, Dresdened a place. You firebombed it. You know what I'm saying? Or carpet bombed it. And even he was like, he looked at me when he saw the first outline of the book in, in some of the earlier excerpts, and he basically gave me the, the same signal that uh, uh, Mel Gibson gave Joaquin Phoenix in Signs. He handed me the bat and said, swing away. This is needed. So that was my cue. I was like, okay, that's what we're going to do. Go big or go home. All right, is Dane in Florida there? Because I skipped him last time. So I'm going to give him uh, a priority here. It, is appears, Dane in, it appears to be, yep. Dane in Florida, are you still there? It's Dane, yes. All right, Dane, you are there. Okay, so Dane, I'm going to give you first dibs at the final question, okay, to be fair to you. You ready to go? Here it is. Which U.S. governor's previous abortion contraceptive mandate upon Catholic and other religious charities and hospitals did the Obama administration emulate with Obamacare? Again, which U.S. governor's previous abortion and contraceptive mandate upon Catholic and other religious charities and hospitals did the Obama administration emulate with Obamacare? Do you know the answer, Dane? No, sure don't know that one at all. Okay, thanks for man. We appreciate you listening to us today on The Blaze. 888-900-3393 if you know the answer to this one. 888-900-3393. One more time, here's the question. Which U.S. governor's previous abortion and contraceptive mandate upon Catholic and other religious charities and hospitals did the Obama administration emulate with Obamacare? Let's go to Paula in Florida. Paula, how are you? Do you know the answer to the question? I'm going to guess. Was it Governor Sandoval? No. Was not Mr. Oh, Bob, Bob or Jim Sandoval. I can't remember which the first name was, but nope. It was not Governor Sandoval. No. Did you get you guys knew the answer to this one? Oh yes. Oh, yeah. yeah you guys you guys have hung, down my yeah, yeah, you guys mm-hmm. have you guys have hung out with me too much. You knew yeah. the answer to this one. 888-900-3393. Essentially what I'm asking you is where did the Obama administration get the idea of using a, a healthcare mandate uh, to tell nuns they have to pay for abortions? Where did they get the idea? Where did it come from? And Steve is so confident in this at the time. This is where he became semi-famous locally for saying, hey, 
I, I will quit my job if you t- prove that I'm lying about this. I even went back and even looked this up last night just to make sure I was still right. There's an article in LifeSite News that points out, yes, this essentially this governor's attorney, his solicitor general, for lack of a better description, advised him to enforce this this way upon Catholic and other religious charities and organizations at the time. Do you know the do you know which governor this was? 888-900-3393 is the number. We have one final free copy of my new book, Truth Bombs, to give away here for Truth Bombs Trivia. Come on, you know. Ten pages of footnotes, man. Yeah, you know that's, which, that, and, and those are in the small print, too, yeah. with the footnotes. Yeah. You know, those. that's not the 12-point the Times New Roman the rest of the book is in. That's that's the agate print, you know. Is that real, or did you just make that up? You, you no, know I, your fonts? I, I used to do newspaper layout, brother. You know that. I don't know my fonts. Well, you didn't have to. You came in after me. You got. You guys didn't have to do pagination, and you didn't have. You, didn't, you guys didn't have splicer boards. No. You guys did all that digitally, right? Yeah. Well, I was leaving the newspaper industry and going into radio when that when that newfangled internet on computers yeah. came in. And then I welcomed in the brave new future of journalism or something. Let's sure. go to Marguerite from the Sooner State in Oklahoma. Marguerite, do you know the answer to this question? I think I do. Was it Mitt Romney in Massachusetts? You are correct. Mitt Romney, in his contraceptive abortion mandate that he imposed upon Catholic and other religious charities and hospitals with Romney Care in Massachusetts, provided the model for what Obamacare ended up doing to Little Sisters of the Poor, Hobby Lobby, Liberty University, that ended up all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. Marguerite, you stay on hold. And you will get a, the fifth and final free copy that we are awarding today of my new book, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise. So I, I sent you guys the rundown of what we're going to do on the show today. I've not really had the opportunity to get you guys' reaction when, we, when you saw these five questions, because I didn't consult with you guys or anything. I think I sent this to you like around 11 o'clock or something last mm-hmm. night, right? So when you saw these questions and that we were going to throw these at the audience, your instant reaction to that was what, Todd? My, my instant reaction was that I don't, I still don't know, even in this age of Trump, which isn't really the age of Trump, it's the age of progressivism, if People are going to be prepared for the book that you just wrote. I think they're, they might, and I bring this up, they might be less prepared for this book than Lord Nefarious. I, I, because I, I, I think we have, our, our application of our own theology is such that we think the way and there's so many parallels actually to these two books the yeah. way you did lord yeah. nefarious um but i don't i don't I, it, it's still there's like a a pitchfork and demons quality to what a lot of christians think evil 
looks like and they don't think it can take the form and the yeah. shape that it often does and it takes the form and the shape that is easiest to trick us it it yep. and so that that's uh, people that just can't look at how long it took it cannot be Ronaldus magnus reagan who did such a thing they just have so many blind spots these days uh and i which is why it takes me back to um george w bush i know i i thought that moment that election there it was a, it was a I, I remember election. staying up all night. Well, I, I remember staying up all night. We had just found out Amy was pregnant with Zoe, and she was already having complications in a pregnancy that resulted in, a, you know, in a, essentially in a, an emergency inducement over a Fourth of July holiday. I remember staying up all night. I was a baby Christian. On I was literally on my knees praying that God would intervene, that John not permit John Kerry to be president, because I thought that would be the end of America. Yeah. And I thought I think that's the night we put it on cruise control. We we saw that kind of moral majority sort of win with the data afterwards, mm-hmm. and then we kind of just got fat, dumb, and lazy. Yeah, my instant reaction was, uh, "Can we do this again?" Uh, that's that's the first one because I knew that this was going to be fun. Uh, secondly, though, this this Lord Nefarious Nefarious plot um, it it paints a portrait of what progressivism, of what um, leftism, which is really what we're talking about, the absence of God, the absence of transcendent truth. It paints a portrait on the wreck that has laid waste to much of America's institutions. It paints a portrait of that and a, a historical context of how we got to where we are. It paints that portrait. I would say what Truth Bombs does, at least to some extent, after you've finished looking at that portrait, it holds up a mirror, and you see, oh, crap, I'm seeing some similar stuff here. Hmm. Um, that's, that's really what I think is going to be a struggle uh, with, with this. And if you've listened to this show at any, at, at, for any length of time at all, I don't think most of the people who have been with us for a long time are going to, or even a short amount of time, <laughs> are going to struggle as much as maybe those who are just coming on to uh, because this thing slays some shibboleths. This thing slays some idols uh, in a not so uh, subtle way, I-, I would say. And so this is, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I am excited, though, that there are 10 pages of footnotes. I'm genuinely excited about that because um, not that you would, not that you would just lie and make up stuff anyway. It just, um, if people are upset with the facts, like any of the facts, any of the trivia questions that we just um, that we just laid out, uh, it's all footnoted. So if people have a problem with the facts, then that's you know, that's a them problem. So here's what we're gonna do when we come back: is we're gonna go through the each of the ten uh, each of the series of lies I attempted to debunk in the book, and. I'm going to let Todd and Aaron predict what their what what people's reaction to that lie will be. What the what the antidote? Just I mean, essentially, focus group it for me. When people see it all laid out like this, because keep in mind, I mean this this book was written with un, under the notion that this phase of my career could potentially end, and I didn't want it. To go away, I was fine if it went away. I mean, we're not good enough to do something. I mean, it is what it is. We tried our best. You're not good enough. You're not going to win at everything, you know. Um, 
Well, for context, there was so much post-Trump election yes. uncertainty about the industry. Yeah. That's yeah. what when this, this book was, was really finished, about. Uh, was finished over a, over a, a year ago. Yeah. There was no one knew what the media environment was going to look like. Right. The idea of a merger between CRTV and The Blaze wasn't even on the table, right? So I'm like, just in case we get swallowed up in this new world, I want to fire and slay every sacred cow I can. And that's what this book attempts to do. We'll run down some of those truth bombs. We'll make them back. Stay tuned. <laughs> Hey, are you thinking about buying or selling a home this year? Real Estate Agents I Trust.com. Real Estate Agents I Trust.com. It's a company Glenn Beck started six years ago. He did so because he was getting frustrated by real estate agents who talked a good game but never really got the job done. And it's really frustrating when bad agents are never held accountable. It takes a ton of expertise to be a great realtor these days. The process is incredibly more difficult to navigate. And people who have a hard time selling are usually victims to realtors who don't have enough experience or know-how. So uh, Glenn Beck built a team to help home sellers and buyers do things differently and to help you sell or buy your home much more effectively. Glenn's team holds their agents accountable and they follow each home seller or buyer from the initial interest until they buy or sell the home. Realestateagentsitrust.com. It's the best way to buy or sell a home in America. You can buy or sell for fast and for the right price with the team at realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. All right. As we continue to prepare for the uh, debut tomorrow of my new book, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believed Our Own Demise, endorsed by a few people you might have heard of, like Mark Levin, Glenn Beck, Ben Shapiro, etc., uh, in fact, the final uh, chapter in the book before the conclusion, I do a roundtable with some of the names I just mentioned about the state of conservatism and the conservative movement in America. And, and I just published their answers verbatim, didn't edit them at right. all. Okay. So it, it's worth just finding out what their answers to some of my questions are, even if you don't care what I think. You might care what some of those guys think, right? All right. So we're going to take these one by one. These are the lies I confront in the book. I just want instant reaction. And here's what we'll do starting next week is we'll begin to do a, bi a book study on my book as we've done with some of my previous books as well. All right, take the audience through it. Here's lie number one. The Republican Party is our rightful home. That's the first lie we confront. Reaction men. <laughs> uh, another day that ends in why? What? Uh, I, actually, my... My rea you asked what I think they're going to think, uh, uh, the readers. Um, I, I think the overwhelming answer is to that is going to be, well, yeah, yeah of course it is. I mean, where else are we going to go? I, I just think you, that's such a wall that needs to be knocked down first. Uh, there's, there's, there's no, which is why there's no other healthy alternative party movement there never really has been close to one when we got even close to being close to one it's self-immolated and didn't know what to do with it and that's with uh, post uh, ron paul and the and the heir of that was potentially his own son for goodness sake so um i think ooh, you got a tough sell right out of the gate brother yeah um political political parties um i like to do it the best uh the republican party uh is 
Actually, no, I'm not going. I'm not going to say that. It political parties are great until you're part of one or one fo- forms. That's all I'll say about that. <laughs> and the Republican Party is uh, proof positive of that. It just happens to be that it's not quite as bad or quite as terrible as the Democratic Party. So yes, it's not our. It's not our. Uh, it's not our home. It never should be. Um, but at the same time, the reason why anybody is still associating with it is because, it's, well, it's better than the Democrats. Among all the things you say on this show regularly, Steve, the one that probably goes by, uh, deaf ears the most, falls on deaf ears the most, is th- that they, they being the Republican establishment, hate you mm-hmm. more than they hate the Democrats. I just don't, that, they don't know what to do, I do with that, which is why you get flack for pointing out obvious truths about this Republican establishment. The only the, the only reasonable answer to this, Occam's razor, is that people just aren't comfortable with believing that yet. Lie number two I confront in the book. Donald Trump confronted our movement. I'm sorry, corrupted our movement. Lie number two is Donald Trump corrupted our movement. That's the next lie. And this is almost, I went out of my way to not make the book very much about him because I, I don't think, I think he's a bit player in this drama in the big picture. So this chapter really deals with all of my thoughts on Trump pro and con. And then for the majority of the rest of the book, he's rarely or barely mentioned. I think that there's potentially a contradiction to what I just said, but I think people once only say that, well, that's not true. The Republicans just suck, which is different from they hate you. I think people do absolutely believe that the Republicans just suck. They're bad at it. They're they terrible. Suck. Uh, they're both true. They, yeah. they suck because yes. they hate you. Yes. Yeah. But they, they, the, the second part they're not as comfortable with. But I think they're pretty comfortable with the fact that they suck. Yeah. Uh, Donald Trump exposed the corruption or the the corrupting influences in our movement like nothing else ever has before. Um, and there are certain people who uh, – well, we talk about them every day. Uh, there are certain people who – uh, were part of Never Trump. I think most of the Never Trump is what I'm talking about. He exposed the corrupting influences in our party, in our party, in our movement. We don't have a party or a movement. What am I talking about? Um, but he exposed those those people and those influences uh, for what they are, and he continues to do so. And that's not to say that Donald Trump is some white knight. No, this is, uh, this is an exposing like a bleaching. All right, we're going to go back and forth now for the sake of time. All right, so Todd, it's your turn. Lie number three I confront. By the way, you like, I think that's your favorite chapter in the book, isn't it? The Trump chapter, where there I go so, into all my background with him, all the details. Well, I think that's the first one that I came out that you, I was skeptical you could pull off what you said you were going to pull. Which it's is not, to not e- to make the book about him it's from not, the outset. It's yeah. not easy. And yep. hey, I mean, you nailed it. All right. Lie number three. This one's to you. Republicans of the pro-life party. That's the third lie I confront. Uh, this, this is going to hurt. Uh, it's, it's, uh, optics wise, it nails it all the time and bamboozles us. But in terms of ultimately, uh, results, um, it's been left and found wanting. Lie number four, Aaron, at least we can hold the GOP accountable. Oh, mercy. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, that's. That is that's also going to be painful as well, because we have how many years now, how many decades of proving that that's not the case. Um, So, yeah, that's that's a that's going to be a fun one, because that's always that's always another. uh, I would rather have this person in office because office, because at least we can hold them. Well, 
uh, name one time when that's really ever worked. Todd, lie number five, and this is, and I even write this in the book. This is where the book takes a pivot, and this is where it goes into. You know what? Now that I've crossed over, burn every boat so I can't go back territory. Okay. Lie number five: It's too hard to start a new party, so we're stuck with the GOP. Gosh, well, we're <laughs> clearly that's where my head was with, uh, with the uh, the first answer. Um, yeah, I don't. Th- I the thing about it is uh, people uh, have all kinds of strong opinions here, uh, but in terms of it, the, really running their own government, uh, they they like all of us. The, like things done for us way too much we aren't a resilient people uh anymore so yeah they 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 will they will keep running over and over again into this uh brick wall uh they it's not even that they don't know what to do it's that um really at the end of the day we like the glam and the glitz that comes with you know the, the various junkets we go to in Republican, yay, and things like that. And we're not prepared to be the Brazilian people we were called to be at the beginning of this country. Aaron, lie number six, we can successfully primary these progressive Republicans. Uh, well, I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical. I was always a little bit skeptical about this one because it's not like you really have any firsthand knowledge. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this one... This one, some of these chapters I enjoyed writing, if for no other reason than to get some things off my chest. That one, because I had to go into so much of my own personal experience, yeah. that one was a trail of tears, brah. Okay. Because you've spent so- And not of the Elizabeth Warren variety. <laughs> you've spent so much time on yeah. air time talking about yeah. this. And then to, yeah, I know. Every this single is like going, time, yeah. by hook or by crook, every single time. They try and try again, and this you talk you'll talk about this. Uh, yeah, every single time they they gum up the works at the very very least. Lie number seven is one I had to learn myself the hard way as well. Principles matter most when evaluating our candidates. Remember, I went to that whole one exercise on local radio where I had all these congressional and gubernatorial candidates all come in and we assessed their worldview, and it wasn't like anything we ever heard before, right? Mm-hmm. See, I had to learn. There's there's a step before you get to their worldview, and that's what this chapter talks about. Uh, yeah the this the level of uh, ring kissing uh, that is ultimately uh, involved by grand poobahs that really perhaps started off with principles at the very least just because they were a thin veneer for the cover for just their entertainment principles but yeah um it doesn't mean that principles don't matter uh but boy it if 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 you think that you can be pure as driven in the snow and just everybody's going to sing as honest to you you don't understand the game that's being played as it currently they is. absolutely matter but you got to find out there there's something else, and we'll get to this when we get to this chapter of the book, and for those of you that already read it, you know, or we'll read it soon, you'll, you'll learn the answer. But I had to learn the hard way through several betrayals that there's a more basic instinct to consider before even getting to what they believe. Because they could even tell you what they believe with great passion and really mean it. Mm-hmm. But then there's something else, though, that once they get there, that, that may end up driving what those principles become. Aaron, lie number eight. It's all about the party platform. Yes, yes, this is my favorite one uh, because, as you can, as you, as we saw back in 2016, um, we have the most conservative Republican Party platform 
in the history of the Republican Party. And and um, excuse me, uh, on on unrelated note, who is the name of that Republican Party official who was um, caught uh, getting a an abortion, paying for an abortion uh, for some uh, porn star that he hit it with? Um, yeah. So that's that's fun. That's always that's that's always a fun one to go about because you know um, we can we can go about as far as we can throw the party platform, uh, which is not very far at all. Todd, lie number nine. This is my favorite chapter in the book. My favorite politician will save America. Well, that's the idolatry chapter, um, and. It, it it it's needs to be mentioned because it works over and over again. Uh, we're falling. Um, we we fall into this every cycle. Uh, we we and unfortunately that you know you have to be wary with guys like Dan Crenshaw. You know a guy with one eye because he served his country. But you instantly this has gotten so bad over time that you got to make sure that you know the, the the perfect image hasn't been crafted to seduce you this time. Yeah, it, it, champions are one thing. Saviors are another. Yeah. Right. Aaron, lie number 11, the battle is between conservatives and liberals. Oh, um, we, that would be nice. I'll put it at that. I'll leave it at that. That would be really, really nice. Um, unfortunately, no, our, uh, our battle is much more, um, the battlefield is much more, we'll put it nefarious than that. Todd, lie number 12, courts make law. So anything some leftist judge conjures up from the bowels of his debased mind is now the law. No, nailed it. There it is. Uh, it, 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 we need to uh, come to terms with uh, that really quickly. We have another example uh, that just have some judge out of California uh, said no on uh, the Hobby Lobby related uh, decision, contraception, uh, that the, the the usurpation has happened. The revolution has, in fact, happened. A second revolution, and not a good one. Not one you're going to want to tell your kids about. Um, that this is, um, I mean, this is real news. Final lie we confront in the book, Aaron, number thirteen: conservative conservatism and its themes and values are more popular than ever before. So that must mean we're winning. Oh, mercy. Uh, again, like the last answer, I would love that to be true. But as we f- saw from Gallup last week, um, how do we how 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 would we go about defining what people think conservatism is and having any sort of co- cogent um, or clear or uh, just kind of unified response? Um, the fact of the matter is, and you'll get into this in in, in your book as well. Uh, the fact of the matter is that what matters the most is whether or not um, whether or not you're actually spelling out uh, more of a lifestyle or something that people can actually rally behind and uh, actually live for in some way, shape, or form. And that's what progressivism does. Uh, I would like it for to be to be the case with conservatism, but we know that's not true. Now, you guys are probably going to feel like, dude, then. There's no hope. What's the solution? The conclusion of the book does offer uh, some potential solutions. We're not going to get to those yet or right now uh, because I think you have to – because I had I went through this exact process. I had to come to grips with the truth of, of how 
how, how terrible our current predicament was before I was willing to accept these conclusions. And, um, and this book kind of serves as a prequel, if you will, to Rules for Patriots anyway, that if you, if you don't really understand how cornered we are, you're going to have a hard time really buying into the paradigm shift that Rules for Patriots advocates. And I wrote that book. I mean, that book came out in, in February of 2014, so almost five years ago now. So this kind of serves as a prequel to it. But, but this is an intervention. The, the purpose of this book is an intervention. You know, it's my cow to the county moment. Promise me, son, not to do the things I've done. Don't repeat all the mistakes I witnessed and or committed myself. Do better. And it's available beginning tomorrow. Find bookstores everywhere. But the publisher really wants me to mention, if you have, if you don't mind, buy it in Amazon.com. In fact, you can pre-order it. Uh, you can pre-order it right now. Final thoughts on today's show brought to you by Home Title Lock. Don't find out your personal information was part of the latest data breach into a major company like what happened recently with Starwood Hotels and the Marriott Corporation, which led to the thieving of 500 million identities. Don't let that happen to you and your most valuable asset, your home's equity. Put that virtual barrier around your home's title for just pennies a day via home title lock. If they find anything sinister or Maybe the word we should use is nefarious, happening around your home's title. They will act on it right away. And who knows? Uh, your home's title may already be vulnerable, may have already been targeted. Here's how you can find out for free. Get a free title scan and report. Normally, they charge about 100 bucks for that. But for our viewers and listeners here on The Blaze today, it's, it's for free. Just go to HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Gentlemen, final thoughts on today's show. Todd, I'll start with you. Well, uh, once again, uh, ha- having helped you along the way, uh, mostly just listening, giving you my thoughts on how the chapters are going, uh, I just, my final thoughts are congratulations once again. I mean, you don't immediately, after finishing a book, get the uh, uh, the, uh, the reaction. You have to wait for a while until it comes out. So um, nice job seeing another one uh, through to the end, brother. Aaron? The era of truth bombs is going to be a fun one. Well, fun, depending on your definition. Um, it's, it's going to illuminate a lot of things. And in, so, in some of the same ways that nefarious plot illuminated them. But I think, I, and I hope that in this book and in this way, that it will illuminate and um, open the eyes of some, um, some people the way that, that Theoden's eyes was when it was worm tongue. Because in, in that allegory, or in that allegorically speaking, in that situation, Worm Tongue is the Republican Party just taking advantage of our own deficiency, of our own um, what what have you, of our own blindness, and manipulating us for uh, its will. In that analogy, and I just played, I uh, just got done playing a great, great game uh, this weekend with my buddy Red Dead Redemption Two, where. Uh, one of the main character is basically it's the same dynamic. The leader of your of your band of of um, criminals essentially um, would rather admit. Well, is actually is in the same situation as well, where he's being manipulated by somebody else. I hope again that this will help open the eyes of uh, people who are being manipulated by a party that really doesn't want to have anything to do with them except for on election day. Well said, both of you. 
Um, the book is meant to start an argument, not necessarily to win one. At the very least, you'll understand what drives us. And I think, Aaron, to follow your analogy, this is, we are Rohan. And we are led by Wormtongue. And you're Theoden. And I'm trying to wake you up to breathe the free air again. We don't have to keep settling for this. John 3.17 This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.